I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, what's more football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brady. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I gonna get sued? We got legal on this. I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. Live on YouTube, it's the offseason, Sam. Mm. The week after the draft is over, and it's officially the offseason. Stake in the ground, here it is. The yeah. off-off season. So we're doing uh, fun stuff like predicting rookies of the year here today. Yeah, we've uh, had a lot of emails in giving us topic suggestions. A lot of them were similar. Um, a lot of redraft or uh, fantasy draft type content. Uh, NFL podcast at pff.com if you want to send us ideas. We got a lot of shows to fill up, so we'll be we taking do. some ideas. A lot of people want us to draft things. Yeah. You know, expansion drafts, which might be a lot of work to set up, but mm. could be fun. Yeah, like somebody sent in modern day expansion draft. Right. Somebody sent in the rules of like the Houston Texans expansion draft, which I'd never really read before and found kind of funny. The idea yeah. that you could uh who's this? Tanner Schmidt sent in the the rules of the previous one where you could protect players, but you didn't have to. So there were yeah. certain players who were just left out there, even though they could have been protected. Yeah. See ya. Bring back it. Uh, one of our listeners, Seth Payne, I don't know if Seth listens to us during the offseason. I can't remember if he was part of the expansion draft because the Jags just, they lost three players. Right. And, I can't, and they were trying to cut a bunch of salary. I can't remember if Seth was one of the people that the Texans took in the expansion draft or if he went there on his own volition in free agency later. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to research that. So people want us to do expansion drafts. I think reviewing previous drafts, particularly ones like PFF drafts, ones that we've been a part of where we've projected players we could do some of that stuff so yeah send those emails in nfl podcast at pff.com but we're going to get into the rookie of the year watch already right after i remind you that the pff nfl podcast is sponsored by western and southern financial group while you focus on your roster moves western and southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home planning to start a family wondering how to make your money grow well western and southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, Sam, do we have uh, – I haven't – I tried not to look at the actual betting odds for mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year until after I put my picks in there. But you and I have both given a top five list to Tyler. We have not seen each other's lists. Correct. So let's start with our Offensive Rookie of the Year predict, uh, predictions. Who's number one for you? This one has to be obvious. Is it now? Uh, Bijan. Bijan Robinson. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be my number one as well. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to number two. <laughs> I can't actually Do you find... have any analysis? Do you have any analysis on top I'm of looking that? for the... Uh, it's actually closer than you, you would think using the real odds. The... Uh, Do you have a link? No. Not really. Okay. I can find good. I can find a good list on DraftKings for the defensive one. The offensive one takes me to this weird site that just shows me graphs. Uh, I'll send <laughs> you that. We certainly can't read graphs. But it's not the most useful thing in the world. I see the odds tracker. I just don't know how. Uh, oh yeah, I see the graph. So if you scroll is, down, you've got Bijan number one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bijan is first. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there is a table below the uh, graph. Yeah. yeah. So Bijan is first, but it's not. You know, the, it's not the biggest lead you would have expected. Plus three hundred for Bijan. Plus four seventy five for Bryce Young, and then 700 for Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, yeah, we're not necessarily predicting 
the best bet. We could do that. We could scroll down and say, hey, who's the best bet at yeah. some point? I mean, look. But for now, we're just trying to say, okay, who do we think will win the award? I think the the bell cow running back seems uh, like a good option. Yeah. It, it all comes down to the idea of what you think Bijan is or can be. Like, Tyler Algier got 1,000 yards in that offense last season. Um, and Tyler Algier was, what, a fifth-round pick? Was indistinguishable from other random running backs in the middle of the draft a year ago. Bijan Robinson, theoretically, is the best running back we've seen come into the league in 10, 15 years. So if, if he's even vaguely like that, then he should be able to absolutely cook within this offense. The only real question, I think, is how much workload are they going to give him? Yeah, I think the other part of it, you're going to lose the Marcus Mariota factor. They were still productive when Mariota went down and Desmond Ritter was the quarterback. You're going to lose the Mariota run game factor. But as a run-blocking offensive line, Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry at tackle, they just paid Chris Lindstrom over $20 million a year to play right guard, and he's coming off of an unbelievable run-blocking season. And they just drafted Matthew Bergeron to likely slot in at left guard and Matt Hennessy at center. They have a good offensive line from a run game perspective. They're pretty good pass blocking, but they're excellent in the run game. So it's set up for B. John Robinson, the number eight overall pick, to have high volume. We already think he's really good. We think he's going to step in and be really good. That's, you know, if you're going to make the argument for, for B. John, you, I think you know what you're getting. Um, remember Saquon Barkley stepped in right away too and, and really looked like we expected. Saquon Barkley to look he had those games where he'd have 15 carries to nowhere and then a 50 yarder to uh, to balance things out I think Bijan is going to do what we expect which is maximize the yardage maybe not create a ton of big plays catch the ball out of the backfield pretty well and at the end of the year he's going to have his 13 14 1500 yards and some receiving uh, yardage and 10 touchdowns I mean Bijan's going to put numbers up I think in that Falcons offense yeah and I, I also I argued this last year I, I still think it's true that it would be a mistake if they don't use Desmond Ritter in the run game to some degree. He's not Marcus Mariota, but he did run a 4-5 flat. He did have vertical and broad jumps above the 90th percentile. Like, he is an athlete. The, just the fact that they would sort of put, plug him in there, a guy who really is not ready or does not look ready from a pure pocket-passing standpoint, abandon part of what made that offense so uh, difficult to defend last season and just roll with a completely different system that's also not helping out the quarterback within it strikes me as a massive mistake. Like, yes, he's not one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not one of the most dynamic runners, but I feel like he can do it enough that you can at least keep defenses honest and can continue to stress them at all times by what you're doing with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would treat him the same way you would maybe a Tannehill um, and like Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, right? I mean, you just a few keepers. I, I don't know if you know, Tannehill used to play wide receiver. I've heard that before. Little yeah. known fact, actually. Um, Desmond Ritter has similar speed as Ryan Tannehill. And, it, it, you know, we talk a lot about quarterback running, and I will a lot with my next offensive rookie of the year selection. But QB running, there's a difference between Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson are going to do it all. Power runner. 10 to 12, 15 carries a game, all that stuff. Whereas Ritter, maybe just keep it five or six times in a game if it brings, you know, if it presents itself and it just opens up the run game. So I think Bijan's set up for success. You do too. He's our number one selection on both of our lists for offensive rookie of the year. Who's your number two? Bryce Young. Now, I did this before the Panthers started sounding off about the concept that Andy Dalton might actually start and play for a while. We're gonna I'm have... going to assume that that's just what you say in May, but the reality is that Bryce Young will be starting? Because I refuse. I, I just, I'm not, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe that the Red Rifle is actually, you know, supposed to start this season. I just don't. We're going to go through the same song and dance again. Same thing with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, and people are mad Andy Dalton starting. And yeah. And how long did that last? It was exactly as predicted, right? Didn't I say it was going to last four games and then Fields would be in, and it lasted four games and Fields was in? So I'm going to say this is less than four games. Oh, yeah. I think Bryce Young will be starting sooner rather than later. Yeah. But I will, I will stick to my company line whenever he's ready, whenever <laughs> yeah. the rookie quarterback is ready. I feel like he's ready now. Yeah, so he might be. Yeah. He might be by the end. I of feel game. like there's no purpose to Andy Dalton here. Most of it's coach speak. That's what I'm saying. 
So I'm choosing to believe that it's just coach speak crap. Got to earn There's it. no reason that Andy Dalton actually as needs I, to start. As I said not so eloquently the other day, every coach at their press conference said, you got to earn it. Mm. I said it in different terms. You did. But you have to – you're going to come in and earn it. We're not just uh, giving playing time away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How's that? Yeah, well done. Better than before anyway. I learned my lesson. <laughs> so, yeah, you think Bryce Young, number two. Yes. I'm going to give you my number two while we're here. Yeah, do that. Anthony Richardson. Oh. I'm going Anthony Richardson, number two, because of the run game factor. Yeah, you see, I did, I thought about Richardson, um, and I think Richardson has the potential to be a massive fantasy football cheat code, you know, with all that running ability. But I kind of figure if he stinks quite badly as a passer, how good would the running need to be for him to actually win rookie of the year? So I think the... I'm guilty right now. Guilty. I hate it. When you overrate what you just saw. So the thing that I just saw that may have convinced me is the Justin Fields season, right? I think I think a lot of people come out of the Justin Fields season saying, unbelievable. I mean, he set all these QB rushing records, and the, the Bears' offense was effective despite yeah. his passing. There were also a bunch of people who were like, you need to trade him. He's not, he's not the answer. Yeah, but the trade the trade thing was not because he's not the answer. It was be, it was it was really analytically minded people who said Bryce Young plus what you get for Fields is a better haul than keeping Fields and the trade down. Like that was it wasn't people being like, man, move on from Fields. Like, a lot of people like Fields and think he's fine. That was an analytical move. Last year is not a great example because there wasn't you know a clear cut obvious superstar offensive rookie of the year candidate. But, like, if last year's Justin Fields had been his rookie season, would that win rookie of the year most years? I don't know that it would. I mean, compared to the other quarterbacks. Yeah, the other quarterbacks. He, but what did he end up running like, for, 1,200 yards, whatever? Right. You, you but, run for all those yards and touchdowns and put the team on your back from a running perspective. If only there was a, uh, a website where you could find out. Those I don't look at stats anymore. <laughs> I don't. I really don't even – I don't look at receiving yards and rushing yards and touchdowns a whole lot. Like, yeah, anymore. compared with other quarterbacks, sure. But compared with other actual, you know, rookies, not so much. Anyway, I'm going Richardson. And I put – well, so I had Bryce Young lower because I think he's got to go the more traditional route. And I think he – I think Bryce Young has more of that year two peak like we've seen a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks over the last few years. We saw it with – Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. We saw a lot of the the year two jump. I feel like Bryce Young is more on that type of trajectory. So from an offensive rookie of the year standpoint, yeah, I mean, I think he's the best quarterback and he'll be fine. I just don't know if the situation around him in Carolina is as good for just rookie of the year honors, whereas I think Richardson is going to steal some production on his own because of his legs as he's developing. And um, that's why I went with him. I think... Bryce Young has the capacity to have a much better rookie year than Anthony Richardson. Like Richardson might put up 1,200 rushing yards, but if he's still completing passes at like a 50% rate, it's not going to matter. Whereas you look at Bryce Young, he throw. I mean, his his superpower was he throws with better anticipation than any quarterback I can remember coming into the league. That was also the defining trait from Mac Jones, who had a PFF grade of 80 and had his best season right away, like right out of the box. Mac Jones looked like an NFL quarterback that could operate an offense and get the ball where it needed to go. Young is better at that than Mac Jones was, and he's got, you know, athleticism and can make plays in the chaos and all those kinds of things. I mean, I just see he strikes me as this world of NFL ready and, you know, all the whatever the hell that actually means. I, I can't see any reason why Bryce Young isn't very NFL ready right away. Fair point. I'm still I'm leaning into Richardson's legs here with my number two. All right, who's your number three uh, offensive rookie of the year? Number three. Ah, ah. Number three, Jonathan Mingo. Oh, re- really leaning into Bryce the Young's here. favorite target right away. It's about time you started to put Mingo properly at number three on uh-huh. your list. Yeah. So obviously, love Jonathan Mingo the player. Um, I think they can also give him a ton of gimmick plays as well like he'll become whatever version of Debo Samuel is going to exist within that offense he'll get all the gimmick designed catches so he'll have a lot of manufactured yardage as well but I also think there's a pretty good chance he emerges quite quickly as Carolina's number one wide receiver simply by default through absence of other options like as you know Adam Thielen 
great career, incredible underdog story. The guy looks pretty much spent at this point. So there's not a ton of other places to go with the ball in Carolina. Consequently, it feels like the ball is going to head Mingo's way quite a bit. I mean, Adam Thielen, as long as, long as Thielen's healthy, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark are going to hold him off for a little bit, I think. Are they? Yeah. How? And what gimmick stuff do you think Mingo should be running? Every gimmick thing. All of them. Just jet sweeps. Give him the ball in any way you can get him the ball. He's just fast. It's not like LaVisca Chenault. He's also big. He's 220. So he's Nikhil Harry. No. He's Nikhil Harry if Nikhil Harry was good at all the things required to be big. Nikhil Harry's good with the ball in his hands. Right. You can't get him the ball in his hands because he can't get open. Mingo can get open. You can hand it to him. You could could shovel it to him. How how could they have it? Wow, Mingo is your number three. Yep. I, you know, I didn't consider him because I, I do think he's going to, especially early in the season, could he have a second half of the year breakout like Christian Watson? Totally maybe. Mean. But early in the season, I think he's going to struggle get, to get snaps no. over Thielen, Chark, and Terrace Marshall. Not a chance. Uh, my number three is also a receiver, Jordan Addison. Yeah. I'm leaning into one of your guys here. Yeah. Only because he's the one first-round pick who I think has to step into a wide receiver two role mm-hmm. opposite Justin Jefferson. He's going to get plenty of opportunities. We saw games last year where TJ Hawkinson had 10, 11 catches, right? He was the guy after Justin Jefferson was taken away. Um, as difficult as it is to take Justin Jefferson away, you know, Jefferson will get his production, but there will be games where teams put extra, extra, extra attention Justin Jefferson's way. Now, Addison, I also believe he might – you know, he's got a battle for playing time against guys who aren't great, but because it is difficult for rookies to always just step right in. But Addison has the cleanest path competing with guys like K.J. Osborne and Jalen Rager, right? I mean, he's, he's got the cleanest path to, to targets of all the first-round receivers. So odds-wise, I don't know if you put Jackson Smith and Jigba on your top, in your top five. I did not. Odds-wise, Jackson Smith and Jigba is tied for third. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put him up there simply because he's – fighting for targets with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And so that's, I mean, I like Jackson Smith. And We're not predicting our best players. We're not predicting PFF's highest graded players. We're not predicting war. We're not predicting any of that stuff. Just for now, we're predicting who will get voted Offensive Rookie of the Year at the end of the season. And to me, where is Addison even? Addison's down 7th or 8th, plus 1,700 for Rookie of the Year. And Jackson Smith and Jacob is plus 700. I'll take Addison because I think his path to targets is much cleaner than Smith and Jigba or Zay Flowers or the other first-round receivers. Yeah. Or um, Mingo, to be honest. No. Um, I'm with you on the Jackson Smith and Jigba thing. I had Jordan Addison as my number four. I don't so even see odds for Mingo here. I'm right behind. Well, that's look, it's, just, it's a good bet. Go out there and throw your money down, and you will thank me when it comes, you know, December time and they it's announce like these plus awards. Plus a million. Also, by the way, don't I get to vote on this? I can influence things now. Oh, that's true. Maybe you... <laughs> Look, maybe I'm only one of 50, so I can only make so much difference, but... Are you going to lose your vote because we're talking betting odds yeah, for these rigging the awards thing in, that you can May. vote on? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm one of 50, so Did I don't someone think I check can... the rules for Sam so he doesn't lose an AP vote? Yeah, I don't think I can influence it too badly, but if it's a... If, it's, if one vote is in it, Mingo might, be, might get the nod. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway... Um, yeah, I, I have Addison fourth. I agree with you generally. I think he has the cleanest pathway through to playing time of the remaining guys. Now, you're like, oh, Adam Thielen's going to keep uh, going to keep Mingo on the bench, but KJ Osborne isn't going to keep um, Addison on the bench when Osborne was barely sub- uh, subservient to Adam Thielen in the offense last year. I don't think that's a massive difference, um, but. I mean, they drafted Addison to be that number two, the secondary target, the guy that can take advantage when Justin Jefferson gets the crazy attention that he gets in certain games. They can go somewhere else. I think Addison has the, the, a, a massive array of ways to win. He can win short, intermediate, deep. He can win inside. He can win outside. They can move him around to complement Jefferson, who will spend some time in the slot, isn't going to play outside every single play. So I just think that's a really clean guy that's going to have a lot of production he also reminded me quite a bit of Garrett Wilson a year ago a guy that like isn't being talked about as a number one wide receiver but is just good at everything so consequently I'm anticipating a Garrett Wilson like smooth transition into the NFL Addison was your number one wide receiver where would you rank him compared to last year's you don't like him enough to put him above 
No. Five or six in last year's class. No, he would have been below. Like when we went. And Better we, than Drake London, who you had at five, I think. Yeah, they're very different. When, you, when he went and sort of re, when we rewinded and looked at like the top five from last year, I, he wouldn't have been on it, I don't think. Yeah. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jameson Williams. Pickens. You had George Pickens and then Drake London five. Yeah. I had Drake London four and then someone else five. So he probably would have been below that, but he might have been above Sky Moore, who was six, right? Yeah, that sounds right. So uh, I have Addison third. You have him fourth. So that reveals your number four. Yeah. Um, we have already talked about my number five. We'll talk about him in a sec again. Um, but for my number four, I'm going Jameer Gibbs. Mm. So I'm going back to the to the running back well. Yeah. So Gibbs might not steal Jamal Williams' goal line carries. Yeah. But I think, you know, those he could still get enough red zone carries that he's going to find the end zone. And I think when you take a guy at 12, they're going to be feeding him the ball, right? This is you know, similar to the, to the Bijan discussion. You take Bijan Robinson at 8, you're, you're going to find a way to get the football into his hands. I think the Lions are going to do the same thing with Gibbs. I think they're going to have a good offense with all their explosive playmakers. So Gibbs is going to catch a bunch of passes and have opportunities to run to space in that offense. So uh, running back is usually a pretty good bet for offensive rookie of the year type stuff. And uh, I think I'm going Gibbs here. He's, I mean, he's fifth in the odds. B. John Robinson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then Jameer Gibbs and Anthony Richardson both tied for fifth at plus 900 in the most recent Rookie of the Year odds for the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, this one I don't think has much of a chance of coming off at all. Um, I don't – I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. I think teams I think Jonathan generally... Mingo, who has no odds. Yes, He's, he's not even listed. Uh-huh. I think he has a significantly better chance of getting rookie of the worse year. Worse odds than like Tank's, Tank Bigsby and Cedric Tillman and Rasheed Rice. Yeah. You're going to go worse Mingo. odds than Rasheed Rice. Well, he's just not listed here. How is that possible? I don't know. But you might move the needle now. As a voter, we right. know, okay, he's got one of There's the 50. at least 50. a one in 50 chance. Is it 50, <laughs> is it 50 votes still? Yeah, I think so. So he's at least got one vote. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, in May, before anybody's played Renner, a game. Renner called himself a mock draft influencer. You're a... Uh, well, he was actively trying to trying to rig the mock drafts. So I'm not actively trying to rig the voting here as much as just suggesting that it could happen. Did you invest in Mingo and uh, in Mojo, Mojo stock? Yeah. No, I didn't. I downloaded the app just to find out what Tanner McKee's stock was after the draft, but I haven't invested in anybody's Red. stock yet. I just love that you've overcorrected. You wanted to put Mingo on at number three on your wide receiver list. You put him on number three at this I mean, list just to overcorrect it's things. It's not overcorrecting. Look at that receiving core in Carolina and tell me why he can't be their number one in like a week. Sorry. Um I, I rudely interrupted you. Yeah. And so you were saying you don't think Jameer Gibbs has a chance. No. So hang on. I'm Man not going to let this Mingo slander lie without a rebuttal. No slander. But Carolina's you're, you're going to tell me that Gibbs, fifth in odds for rookie of the year. I'll get to that in a moment. Carolina's current wide receiver group. And in fact, let's broaden it. Carolina's current receiving core as a general concept. DJ Chark who was useless and injured for the Detroit Lions. LaVisca Chenault, who has been useless and injured everywhere he's been. Uh, Terrace Marshall, who we keep being like, well, we quite liked him at draft time, so maybe he'll break out at some point in the NFL. Has never shown any sign of doing it so far. Uh, Adam Thielen, who looked toasted last season for the Minnesota Vikings and was being overhauled by K.J. Osborne, the receiver that you think is no threat to Jonathan, uh, to Jordan Addison's playing time there. Hayden Hurst, who's been a bust as a first-round tight end, was vaguely interesting for the Bengals and would catch the occasional pass, make a play because he's quite athletic. Ian Thomas, who's one of the worst free agent signings, re-signings of any team in recent memory. Uh, am I missing people? Like, there's nothing here. That would prevent Jonathan Mingo, if he's Shy even Smith. vaguely competent right out of the gate, of getting immediate playing time and being quite a high target guy for that offense. Is Shy Smith still there? Yes, yes, he is. As is Demir Bird. There's a whole bunch of people, none of whom are going to take any playing time away from Jonathan Mingo if Mingo looks vaguely competent in training camp. Now. Fair points. Thank you. Uh, so, Jameer Gibbs. Yes. We talked about this a little bit in the last show or whenever we were doing the Lions review of their draft. I think teams generally vastly overrate their capacity to employ an offensive weapon trademark symbol. You know, he is essentially coming in to replace DeAndre Swift, who they traded away during the draft. 
Uh, Jamal Williams was their quote-unquote bell cow last season. He got all the goal line carries, the 17 touchdowns, the Barry Sanders single-season scoring record. He got 275 carries. Obviously, uh, he's going to be replaced by David Montgomery. That's going to be like the, the primary running threat. So Gibbs is coming in here to be DeAndre Swift and whatever he can be as a receiving threat, which is, I would imagine, significantly more potent than DeAndre Smith. But still, that's Swift. what we're talking about yeah. here. So it's what can Jameer Gibbs be as a running back that's going to get like 100 carries, right? So even if he gets 100 carries at 6-point-something yards per attempt, we're talking 600 Swift. rushing yards. Swift had 99 carries, 5.5 right. yards per attempt, five touchdowns last year. Yeah. So then you have to say, okay, what can he be as a receiver in this offense? Uh, DeAndre Swift led the team, again, in targets from the running back point of view, 63 of them. Let's say Gibbs can be significantly more potent. We're still talking like 500 yards, 600 yards as a receiver. So you're putting that together like 1,200 all-purpose yards. Maybe he gets to like seven, eight touchdowns. It's not a chance in hell that's winning rookie of the year relative to anybody that has like a good season as a conventional running back, wide receiver, quarterback like again we were talking B. John robinson is in this rookie of the year class you're telling me that whatever slash role they can craft for jameer gibbs has any hope whatsoever of overhauling any kind of Bijan season no i put Bijan at one right and i put gibbs at four but that's why it has no chance of happening it does have a chance because the swift proxy statistically you make yeah. a strong case let's just give him deandre swift's stats I didn't say I adjusted them for inflation. I gave you, like, DeAndre Swift plus stuff. Yeah, well, here's where the plus stuff comes from. DeAndre Swift lined up as a wide receiver 51 times last year, about two, three times a game. Uh -huh. That's it. You know Gibbs is doing that 10, 12 times a game. He's going to be lined up out wide. He's going to have 8 to 10 catch games. He's going to have games where they force feed him. He is. They're going to force feed him. Gibbs is going to have, like, 70 catches. How good He's going to we... double DeAndre Swift's receiving total, 70, 80 <laughs> catches. And then, you know, whatever touchdowns he, he reels off. Generally speaking, this is, again, back to the idea of teams overestimate their capacity to actually do this. Generally speaking, running backs that play wide receiver are not good at it. Even Christian McCaffrey, right? The statistics when throwing to Christian McCaffrey when he's lined up as a receiver stink. You're way better just throwing the ball to a wide receiver than you are taking your running back EPA going stinks. like going really clever about but it. Going, still I tell you what, guys, it. they're still going to do it. Brace yourself, guys. We're going to take this running back they're and we're going to line 90. him up at wide catches. receiver, and you're going to be like, "Oh, what do we do with this?" It's going to be 90. Catches. It's bad. It doesn't work. So they're going to line your guy, Jameer Gibbs, at a slot in as a wide receiver, and the production isn't going to do anything because. All He's right. not as good as a wide receiver would be at that. we got to wrap it up. we got to get to defensive rookie of the year, and we were going to do this show in 45 minutes. We'll still get it done. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so I've got uh, Jameer Gibbs as my four. Yep. Bryce Young is my five, just to give that away. So I moved okay. him down. I'm, just, I'm giving Anthony Richardson the, the run game bump. I think he's going to you know, put up numbers there. Bryce Young's going to feel his way through as a rookie season. I like Bryce Young better as a player. I'm just saying predicting offensive rookie of the year, I'm leaning into the run game aspect of Anthony Richardson. We've already talked about Bryce Young, your yeah. number two. I mean, look, it's, it's Monday. It's first thing. Um, and I don't want to start things off on a, a negative note, which would be unusual for me, but your list stinks. Oh, no, it does not. I think if you ask the people in the chat, it's not even close. Yeah. They like my list far more than your list. This is terrible. That involves the guy that doesn't even... you got two players on there that have almost odds. no chance of winning. None. This is not true. Yeah. All right, your turn. Uh, five on my list. Quentin Johnston. Um, my logic here is the two players ahead of him. So I agree with you. He, the, Addison's the one that has the... Well, Addison and Mingo are the two players that have quite a clear path through to being you know, starters, essentially, and getting a lot of targets because of that. Uh, Johnston should be number three in that depth chart behind uh, two established wide receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Problem is both, well, number one, even with those two guys in the lineup, he should have a fairly established niche that he can take advantage of that they don't bring to the table. Like that's why they went and got him where they did. Number two, as Chris was pointing out during the draft, those two have quite a large injury history and there's a pretty good chance that one or both of them might be missing for quite a large chunk of the season. And if that happens, like, Quentin Johnson catapults his way up in terms of how many targets he's going to be getting. Therefore, 
he has a better shot than he should have if all things were equal. Feel free to jump into the vote in the YouTube chat. Whose list is better? Early, early lead for Steve here, 70, 70 there. Oh, did you just vote? I voted, yeah. Oh, you're swaying it the other way now <laughs> with your vote. Not enough people. More votes. people need to vote. Uh, vote for Steve. Um, the Quentin Johnson one's interesting because I think, yeah, I think the injury part of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams makes sense. I also wonder, as the three in the big body deep threat that they just drafted in the first round, if they're just like, hey, you're the get behind the defense guy. Yeah. Just, just throw the ball down the field. We know Keenan Allen is uber possession guy. We know Mike Williams does catch the ball down the field, but it's you know tight window type stuff. Um, I do wonder how much they, they just focus on Quentin Johnson being a vertical threat for Justin Herbert. By the way, that has to be what the Chargers are trying to do here. One point I haven't – oh, you're catching up? No. Oh, you're I am. catching up. Yeah. It's 60-40. Yeah. The what's – wrong, what's wrong with having Bryce Young at five? It's bad. It's really bad. He's really good. He's going to play. Yeah. And therefore has a better than the fifth spot the chance of winning a rookie of the year. I don't think the Panthers team is good enough. I don't think everything around him is good enough. On offense, I mean, I know they bad. have wide receiver one Jonathan Mingo. You've just there. been talking out how great their wide receiver core is because he's going to keep Mingo on the bench. And now you're like, oh, they're not good enough for him to have any kind of success. Yeah, because I don't think Mingo's the third best receiver in the draft class like you do. I, I didn't have him third in the, in the draft class. Why is someone asking if Bijan... Derrick Henry went in, what, the third round? Second round? Second. Of course he was a better... Bijan was a better prospect coming out of college than Derrick Henry. Now, will Bijan be a better NFL player? I don't know. He's got a long... He'd have a long way to go to surpass Derrick Henry as an NFL player. This is different from a prospect. So, anyway, um, I was going to make a point. That offensive line isn't bad either. It's improved. Carolina. One quick point I want to make on Justin Herbert, yeah. who has had Justin one of... Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Yeah, one of the lowest average depths of target. Three straight years across two different systems. Kellen Moore comes in. Remember I made the point with Derek Carr, if they bring in Henry Ruggs. When they brought in Henry Ruggs, if this just makes him more aggressive because they have a speedy deep threat, mm -hmm. maybe Quentin Johnston can do that for Herbert. Just make him a little bit more aggressive down the field. You know the Chargers are trying to throw the ball down the field more. So that would open up opportunities for your number five guy, Quentin Johnston. All right, we'll tweet out these lists. You guys can trash them on social media. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Defensive Rookie of the Year. All right. You could start. Who's your number one choice for Defensive Rookie of the Year? Defense is always trickier, I believe, than Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think it's always more difficult to parse where this is going to go. Because um, all positions are allowed to. You can't pick offensive linemen for Offensive Rookie of the Year because right. you know it's not going to happen. Yeah, they are, but it's also you have to kind of work out which position is likely to have statistical production and or just have an insane season where everybody kind of admits – you know, it's obvious, like Sauce Gardner last year. Uh, I think it's Will Anderson. Same. Yeah, I yeah. think his floor is, is very high. I think there's a pretty good chance he's good right away. I think he like, he has the capacity to get sacks, which is the thing. Like, you need, you're going to need a gaudy statistic somewhere to be front runner from Rookie of the Year, whether it's interceptions, whether it's sack totals, something that you can kind of predict or, or something that you can hang your hat on, or have the Sauce Gardner season where you're just insane, obviously, from day one. But I think Anderson's production, the fact that he has a very high baseline, that he's good at everything, that he should get a ton of playing time there, he probably has the best shot, right? Yeah, I agree on Will Anderson. He's going he's gonna to be a 1,000-snap guy. He's going to play the run well enough. He'll probably have a good enough PFF grade because, well, you know, like it or not, I mean, we, we do influence the voting as well, too, when you see guys that have— Oh, now who's out here trying to rig the system? I'm, I'm just telling you. We have far more influence in this than we than we used to. He actually has by far the best odds. Actually, he's I, plus three fifty. Yeah, and uh, the next else. two guys are both defensive linemen: Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter at plus eight hundred. Mm -hmm. From what I'm seeing here, so yeah, Will Anderson. We both agree he's going to get the stats. He's going to 
whether he rushes the passer well or not, well or not, he's probably going to have at least eight sacks just from you know rushing the passer four four hundred four hundred fifty times, right? So, yeah, I think Will Anderson makes sense as the favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Who's mm-hmm. your number two? Number two, I had Devin Witherspoon. I um, also did this. Uh oh. Oh. So thinking the same. Witherspoon, obviously, he should start for Seattle, but critically, he doesn't have to be the number one. We already have Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, I think, is the, is the kind of threat after year one that is going to dissuade some teams from throwing in his direction, which means Devin Witherspoon will probably get more targets, but not necessarily against the best wide receivers. So you're getting a guy who's increased chance to pick passes off, but against inferior receiving threats than the number one guy because he might be facing Tariq Woolen a lot of the time. So I think things are set up for Witherspoon to actually have quite a good amount of production as a rookie. I also think, much like Bryce Young, like his superpower was anticipation and being able to see things better and put the ball in the air faster than other quarterbacks, I can't think of a cornerback that's read the game as well as Devin Witherspoon has at the college level. Now, whether that translates immediately, I don't know, because I can't even think of another guy that's had that. But he understands what's coming at him before anybody else in the field does. And if that translates, we're talking about a corner that's ahead of the game, not behind the curve in his first year, which is usually a massive problem. Yeah, I, same reasoning. I mean, the Tariq Woolen factor, I think the other part might be the fun factor for Devin Witherspoon. Fun player, right? Some splashy the, plays. Splashy plays. He's going to – even like Tariq Woolen had a little bit of that last year. I thought he had Tariq a... Tariq Woolen could have run, won one rookie of the year, but for Sauce. Like, if yeah. Sauce didn't exist, Tariq Woolen probably would have been rookie defensive rookie of the year based more on splash plays than, like, a consistent body of work. Yeah, he had, he had what, six, six interceptions, and some of them were like, wow, you, this dude's super athletic. Don't throw deep on him. He's long. He's fast. He's going to give it... He's, he did give up some, some, some plays. Also but. came against Tom Brady. Yes, Tom Brady. Uh, and by that, I mean as a wide receiver, Leonard not Fournette. as a quarterback. Leonard Fournette throwback to Tom Brady. You just don't do that with Tariq Woolen on him. I wouldn't. You threw – you had a throwback to Tom Brady against the most athletic cornerback of all time. Yes. I'm just saying. Not a high percentage play, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. I thought they were setting that up for later in the year, and they just <laughs> did it the next series. That was hilarious. Anyway, Devin Witherspoon, I agree. He's number two. He's plus 900, as we said before. He's the fourth is the fourth best odds here. He goes no, pick number five overall. The other part of this is going to be opportunity-driven. The guys with all the best odds all went in the top ten. If you're a top ten pick, you're probably seeing the field. So, yeah, Will Anderson won, Devin Witherspoon two. We both agree. We both have the same exact one and two. Tell me you went somewhere else for number three. Where did you go? with your third option number after two i ran out of people that i think have a realistic chance of winning defensive rookie of the year uh i went number three jalen carter and i don't think he has a very good chance of winning it at all okay i had carter at four so at least we have a different three so the difference here is just going to be the depth yeah eagles have obviously carter is an incredibly talented defensive lineman there's a pretty good chance he's good right away but I just don't think he's going to have the playing time to get the kind of dominance he would need to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, last season, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox each played over 800 snaps when you factor in the playoffs as well for the Eagles. So they, they were their two, like, workhorses. Um, obviously, Hargrave is gone, so there is a rotational amount, body of work that needs to be picked up. But after that, Milton Williams had 446 snaps, including the playoffs. And that was, 100 and, that was 150 more than anybody else. Jordan Davis had 270. Okay, he was injured for a, a bit. But if Carter doesn't step into the Hargrave role and play that kind of level right away, which I doubt they're going to want him to do, I don't think he can play enough to have that kind of impact. He's still tied for second in odds, plus 800. But, yeah, I think the whole rotational aspect of it, Fletcher Cox. I mean, Jordan Davis isn't really competing for time with Jalen Carter. I think at the least, though, Jalen Carter's in there in third down. He's in there on third down, mm-hmm. and much like Will Anderson, I think gets has an eight eight sack type of season. I think Carter easily could too, even on three or four hundred snaps. So I put Carter as my four because I'm going Jack Campbell oh. as my three. Jack Campbell, Lions linebacker. Look, man, they took him at pick eighteen. They did the the tone of Brad Holmes' voice talking about Jack Campbell 
when he said, I love players. I love these guys. Love you're Jack just, Campbell. You're buying into Brad Holmes is what you're doing. Yeah, because Both I'm – Both sides of the ball. When I, when I hear Brad Holmes talk about Jack Campbell, I'm hearing Dan Campbell. I'm hearing Lions head coach Dan Campbell. Brad is just the, the mouthpiece for what's happening in all of these meetings, the draft meetings and all that stuff. And I see Dan Campbell as soon as the film comes on, as soon as the projector is going – Jack Campbell film, and they're in the meeting, and they're talking. He goes, that guy. I want that guy on my football team. And even though they they have the same type of feels for uh, Alex Anzalone, probably, and maybe even for Malcolm Rodriguez, mm. guess what? They're not seeing the field over Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is going right out there. And maybe every year I predict whichever linebacker is going to get 100 tackles to be the defensive rookie of the year because, you know, people say, oh, he had 100 tackles. He had three sacks, and he had three interceptions. Therefore, it's a good linebacker season. I'm banking on Jack Campbell being that guy. Even if he has a 50 PFF grade, 100 tackles, he'll have a few picks, he'll have a few sacks because he's going to play every down, see the field. Jack Campbell's going to put up those linebacker stats that at the end of the year influence the non-SAM voters, the other 49 voters, when it comes to the AP and the defensive rookie of the year. The two leading tacklers last season amongst rookies each had 87 solo tackles. One of them had 28 assists. The other one had 36. Name them. Malcolm Rodriguez? Nope. You're looking at our numbers? Yes. Those tackle tackle counts don't matter. So whoever had 87 tackles by PFF numbers, I'm going to say that the NFL had them with a buck 20. Mm-hmm. Tackles plus assists. Oh, nah, I'm gonna have to, I can't scroll out through the rookies. Where is the rookies? Who were the rookies last year? I don't even remember. Last this year. is my point. Jaquan Brisker? This is exactly, in fact, my point here. Yeah, but a first-round linebacker, Jack Campbell? Okay. One of them did, in fact, allegedly have... No, actually, so he did have 121 combined tackles. That's how they do it. No, because they're not. They're, they have them with less solo tackles than we had them. But I'm talking about the combined tackle is the And the, the other one had 115, use. which is 52 and 56. I don't know. Who were the rookies? They were Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd, neither of whom were ever in contention for Rookie of the Year by a mile. That's because Quay kept pushing refs, getting booted out of games. Yeah, two ejections, and then Devin Lloyd spent three weeks playing really well to start the season, then, then he played got like absolute crap for the rest of it. Jack Campbell's not getting benched? <laughs> They both, well, one dude kept hitting refs and the other one kept getting benched. Do you think Jack Campbell's going to do that? Hitting Hit a might, ref? Hitting might be okay, overstating they, it a He touch. had two ejections because of contact with, contact the official. with officials. Shoving, so just, shoving is probably more fair. Just uh, maybe the ref was flopping like the Suns owner last night. I saw that. NBA yeah. game. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going Jack Campbell, number three. 100, okay. 100 tackles. Four picks, four sacks, playmaker, a couple fumble recoveries, which don't matter at all, right? All that's going to add up to Jack Campbell getting some votes. I got him as my three. This is the first time I've looked at the uh, official, quote-unquote, NFL official stats, tackle stats for quite a long time. They've, they've radically shifted how they do this, and yet it's still terrible. What are they doing for tackles in the NFL? Well, they appear to have dramatically ramped down the number of solo tackles they give out, but somehow at the expense of massively increasing the number of assists. If you're new here, uh, at PFF, we, we collect our own tackles. We do not use the NFL's tackle totals because the NFL uses a different person, a different official scorer in all 32 stadiums. With no, with no actual instruction on how it's supposed to be yeah. done. So you get 32 different methodologies effectively for assigning tackles and uh, idp people right the people who play with individual defensive players in fantasy are aware of this and they knew go get bills Hmm. because the bill scores were always favorable kiko alonso oh wow we finished with three solos and 17 assists this week yeah and most scoring in fantasy a lot you know adds them all up yeah anyway i'm going jack campbell as my three okay i'm not jalen carter's my four so we've already revealed that because he's your three who's your Number four for defensive rookie of the year. Four, I went with Will McDonald from the New York Jets. Um, I forgot about Will. Yeah. I was doing this, maybe. So I know you didn't. No. Uh, okay, I like Will McDonald more than most people, but critically, I really like the fit as well. Whether or not you think the Jets reached for him is, is kind of irrelevant at this point, but they can use him as that designated pass rusher. They can put him out there as that wide nine alignment, let him take advantage of the... I think, class-leading pass-rushing skill set that he has. He has better quick-twitch, 
immediate burst off the line than pretty much anybody in this draft class. I think he's got an incredible ability to get pressure on the edge and simply giving him a, a, an appropriate alignment for his skill set rather than asking him to play that four eye over the tackle in that Iowa State defense, I think should allow him to have quite a bit of production year one. And if he just plays as like a, as like a designated pass rusher, he can have that kind of impact and potentially threaten a rookie leading sack total. Yeah, I think that's a it's a fair one. You know, there's a I'm sure he'll only play on third down. Yeah, like I would start. imagine he gets a fraction of the snaps that Will Anderson gets, but he could have the same number of sacks, at which point he's at least a live candidate for rookie of the year. So I think Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and Will McDonald, who by the way is plus two thousand, he's right tenth or twelfth here. Uh, they all have eight, eight to ten sack potential for different reasons, just because of uh, opportunities there. Um, okay, who's your who's your number five? Number five is Brian Branch. I was considering him, and then I booted him from the list. <laughs> so Branch, I think, is a tougher sell. Um, it's his case would would rely on being just obviously a really good player right away. Like, I don't think he's going to wind up with a ton of interceptions. I don't think he's going to wind up with a ton of statistical uh, support in either way. But Branch has the ability, if they plug him in as a starter, to just come in and immediately look like a really, really good NFL player, particularly if that defense across the board just looks better. Um, I think eyes will be drawn to his direction. I think generally he was one of the better players in this draft. I don't understand why he slid as far as he did unless it's just confusion as to what to do with a slightly unusual skill set or the fact that he ran a 4-5 or whatever it was, 40-yard dash. But I think Branch could easily come in day one, be a really good player, and look like a rookie of the year. Yeah, I didn't want to double up on the two Lions. Yeah. was part of the reason. Jack Campbell or Brian Branch. Right. But I get it. I, I think tackles, he's going to play. He, he should play multiple roles right away. I think there's a lot. There's a lot to like about Brian Branch. Where are his odds? Probably pretty low. Yeah, I would imagine. Safeties are tough because you you, you probably need – he's plus 2,000 as well, like um, like Will McDonald, you're four. Um, Branch, for safeties, you probably have to stumble into five or six interceptions to be a part of the conversation. But um, So I considered Tyree Wilson for five just because of opportunities, even playing with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. I think Tyree Wilson will get his opportunities as well. But I went with Kalijah Canty as my number five. Mm, okay. Yeah, the undersized interior pass rusher for the Bucs. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm banking on sack totals again here. I don't, I don't know if he'll play a ton on early downs, so the same argument you would make for Will McDonald at edge, I might make for Kalijah Canty at defensive tackle. I think he's going to rush the passer. Mm -hmm. He's going to rush the passer next to Vita Vea, who's going to you know, pop the B gap with uh, you know, force a double team on centers and guards. And Kalijah Canty's going one-on-one. -on -one with guards, and he's going to be an eight-sack guy. Even though I don't love this defensive line class, I've just predicted eight to ten sacks for at least five guys in this draft class just because of opportunities, and I think Kansi has a chance to do that. 92.4 pass rush grade last year. Number one among interior defensive line. Yeah, before we wrap this up, um, the, the U.S. these days has become quite the F1 hotbed, you know, thanks to drive to – Drive yeah. to Survive, whatever the hell the, the Netflix thing is called. Yeah, not interested. Um, you are, well, that's, so my first question was going to be, you know, are you a big F1 guy these days? No. Okay. I just started doing uh, whatever the drag racing is last year. <laughs> okay. Going back to the track next Very, month. very different. Yeah. NHRA. Yeah, Big yeah. NHRA fan. Very different. Yeah, I understand. Um, but, but where you might warm to the F1 is the F1 does billionaire excess unlike any other sport in the world. Like it is by far and away. Access? Excess. Oh, excess. Oh, oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, it is by far and away the best, like, rich person thing, you know, on the planet. So Miami was the Grand Prix this week. Would you like to know how much a plate of nachos cost? Now, to be fair, serve four people in the hospitality. So a four-person serving, which is one for you. You know, it's your, yeah, yeah. your I would get one big nacho. Yeah. How much do you think that would set you back? $28. Uh, no. Very no, in fact. Take that number, uh, times it by 10. What? And you're within $5. 292? No, the other way, 275. No, I was going to say. 275 bucks, and that's before gratuity and taxes. Or do they have a sales tax in Florida? Whatever. 275 bucks plus gratuity. Uh, if you want the F1 platter, 
which gives you some A1 sliders, secret sauce, ribeye quesadilla, chipotle sauce. It's going to be like seven fifty. Uh, crispy chicken tenders. So you're getting sliders, a quesadilla, and t- chicken tenders. And that'll cost you 500 bucks, which apparently plus gratuity is 600 and something, uh, according to somebody in, this, in the replies here. That's for anyone at the race? That's for the hospitality food. Feels like it's worth it. I mean, what, I wonder what a $500 chicken tender tastes like. I would imagine a lot like a $2 chicken tender, only more expensive. The batter is really strong. I bet it's good. I bet it's a good. I, I bet it's the same. I bet it's a really I bet good it's chicken breast. Straight out of like whatever the local version of Kroger is down there, Publix. Wow. All right. Well, Tyler's got a heart out. We got to let him go. Yeah. And uh, this is what might, you know, we're going to have, uh, we're still trying to go five days a week here during the off season. Tighter shows, though. Mm. A little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. Because sometimes we ramble about $500 chicken tenders. Sometimes we get off the rails. But we're going to try to... I mean, look, that's, that's good. you got to have that. I have to, I have to say I appreciate the people still tuning in here in early May. Still tuning in on a Monday morning on YouTube and wherever you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate all of you. So stick with us all spring and summer. And uh, keep emailing NFL podcast just as at a, PFF.com. Uh, just to put a bow on the nachos thing. How much money do you think you would need to earn a year before 275 for a plate of nachos didn't leave a bad taste in your mouth i mean there's a difference between a bad taste and like is this really where i want to put my money yeah no matter sure. how much but I like have. how much how much would you need to earn before you'd be like sure 30 that's million a year if i'm making if i'm making million. like roger goodell makes 45 million dollars a year he's like of course i would pay 500 dollars. Like, i'm not gonna i would get the nachos and the 500 dollars platter why not uh-huh it's so just one day a week you need this. roger's salary before you're like yeah it's yeah, worth it i think so uh-huh what about you Probably less than Rogers. Not like a million. Like if you're making a million a year, you're like, no, of course I'm not going to fork over close to $1,000 for I mean, an average there's always meal. the variable of how hungry you are at the time because sure. that changes a lot. But they I would know how need... to play the supply and demand game. I would need... What's a beer there? I don't People know. complain I... about the $14 beer at ballparks and all that stuff. Yeah. I would need more than a million dollars, but maybe not more than two. Miller Lite, $122.99. Yeah. I might not need more than $2 million to, to drop two seventy five. Like, assuming it was just the one time, you know? Dude, I can get a meal for three at Jeff Ruby's for, for the nachos. Yeah. I'd go to Ruby's not instead of the nachos. Yeah, but Ruby's isn't within the paddock, you know? Like, yeah. if you're there and you're hungry I would just and the prepare. nachos are two seventy five. I'd go to the steakhouse before I went to the event. You know, I would just, you know, have some foresight here. There's no way you're that organized. We ready to go? Yeah, I've lost the uh, the Great. sheet with the, the pieces of information on it. Anyway, we'll be back again tomorrow with more PFF NFL Podcast. Hit that thumbs up on the way out. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.